Um, you can tell me your praise reports or your prayer requests. Anybody having praise reports? Yeah, which one is this? Prayer request? Okay. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, we, need to re we do need to remember Kenny Murdoch. They, his test came back that it was cancerous. And so, yeah, they were, we were praying for Philena Fell, Philena Hargrave. She, yes, she came out of the house and lost her footing on some uneven concrete and, you know, fell forward trying to catch herself and hit her eye and cracked her eye. Philena, you know, Glenn and Philena, Cindy Murphy's mom. She went home, but, and she's in no pain miraculously. I mean, her, she looks like she's been in a street fight. A fight with a street. <laughs> and lost. Yeah. She's. Really? Mm hmm. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's. Yeah. So, try to stay on your feet, guys. Anybody else? Oh, yeah, right here, Michael. Okay. <laughs> Believing for what? Uh-huh. That's good. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Charles, a son. I saw a hand back here. Did I see a hand back here? Okay. Oh, he's not. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? All right. Let's pray. Y'all ready? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We pray, Lord God, that you would hear every mentioned need, Lord God, every son, Lord God, every daughter, every person that's weighing heavily on another person's heart. Lord, I pray that you would intervene, that you would touch. I pray for Philena, that you would continue to minister your healing grace to her body, Lord God. We pray for Dick Murphy, Lord. I pray, Father, for this family as they gather around him, Lord God, as he, as he, makes the the journey to leave this earth, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would let this, this home going be peaceful, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you give us the opportunity to serve you, Lord God, and to love you, and to know that you are with us in times of trouble, in times of pain, Lord God. I pray that you would move, that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, Lord God, our heart to feel your burden, your passion, Lord God. We thank you today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. Now, so I've been, as I told some of you, I've told you that I've been doing my reading marathon. It's going good. I'm in um, Jeremiah, but it's not too impressive because I'm reading the Tree of Life version. So I haven't even made it to Psalms yet. We're in, you know, our regular version. You're on the other side of Psalms when you're in Jeremiah, but not the case here. But I'm making pretty good progress, I would say. And as I began to study and I began to read in this way, it would, you would be amazed at how many more things you pick up. I mean, because when you're reading very quickly, then you don't have time to forget things before you see them again, if you know what I mean by that. Um, so things start to become repetitive things. I will say it that way. Repetitive things begin to stand out when you're reading very fast. Now, for years, I don't, like I said, I don't recommend that everybody read this way. It's probably not for everyone. So for years, I've studied and excerpts and did this and words and concepts and, and topics. But this, I'm just going all the way through. And so sometimes I read 13, sometimes 25 chapters a day. And so I just blow through it. Well, in my study, something began to stand out. And maybe, maybe you've seen this before. And in, 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 in reading in the past, it would have been a nothing for me. But as I began to read, I began to notice repetitively this phrase called the ships of Tarshish. Anybody ever read that? No. Maybe you've seen it. You're like, I don't know. It's just, you know, something in there. The ships of Tarshish. So I began to look at that. And today, as we're continuing to study the Holy Spirit, I want to talk about, I want, you know, maybe, maybe I'll title this today, Going for Gold, or talking about the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Because I know that every single person in here wants a life without limits. And what I mean by that, not a life without <clears throat> boundaries, but a life without limits, a life that experienced the full abundance of Jesus Christ, the John 10, 10 life, you know, point B, not A. Many of us have the point A down pat, don't we? The thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. How many have ever experienced that portion of John 10, 10? 
Yeah, it seems like we all have that in common. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, more than, more than enough right? And so that is the part. I think every single person says, yeah, that's what we want. To, that's what we want is that John 10, 10 B portion. We've already, we're already well versed in A. We've got that down pat. Now we want to move to the B portion of it. And so as we look at this, as the Holy Spirit begins to lead us, don't you think that he wants to lead us in life and life more abundant? Now, I'm not saying that's always going to be easy. I'm not saying that there are not going to be battles to fight and there are not going to be enemies that, that contest us. There's not going to be issues in our life. But how many of you know that we have been given a promise that we will triumph in all things? The hardest thing that we have to fight against, though, is what? What would you say? Who, who said it? Self. self. That's right. It's just old self. I mean, we, so many times I've heard Mike say, if you took sin out of the way and Satan out of the way, we'd still probably just be totally worthless, <laughs> wouldn't we? We would still be finding ourselves failing because of self and the propensities of self. So the Holy Spirit is not only leading us in victory over the powers of darkness, he's not only leading us in victory over the corruption of sin, but he's also leading us in victory over self. But you know what? He has the hardest time leading us through self. Because you love self so much. And you have a hard time leaving self behind. So as we, as we look here, I, I want to read just a little bit before we go to 1 Kings, the last chapter in 1 Kings, whatever that is. We'll find that in just a second. Well, I'll tell you so you can start turning there. 1 Kings 20, 22. And we'll look at that in a minute. Um, Romans 8 and 15 says, the spirit you received, how many of you received the spirit? So the, here's, here's a description of the spirit you received. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. That, that word there again, the English Standard Version says that he does not make us fall back into fear. That he does not return you to fear. That bondage and fear go together all the time. Isn't that amazing that the Holy Spirit does not lead you into what? Fear. Again. How many of you have ever been in fear? We all raise hands. We've all lived in fear. But when the Holy Spirit begins to lead you, he never leads you into... Now, isn't that just... Don't y'all like black and whites like that? I like that. Because then, if I'm finding myself in fear, what can I automatically deduce? This is not God, because his Spirit will not lead me somewhere contrary to where he would lead me. So if I'm in fear, this is not God. That's it. It's either self-Satan or sin, right? It's just, it's circumstances. Somehow I'm operating in that. So if I'm in fear, this is not God. Now that's a great place to start because he will not lead me to fear again. I will not be led back into fear. So the, the fact is that bondage and fear go together. But how many of you know that your old paths of self are easy to find? Any of y'all ever found that out to me? That you can, you can get off of a path, be done with that. How about let's just plug in bitterness here. This is a great one because we all understand this. Because we're all of the age in this room that we've been hurt numerous times by numerous people, Right? I mean, we all have that in common. Look, we're all in the human race. And so we always like to think that we're unique in our, in our suffering, but we're really not. We're just so plain. It just happens to all of us. I'm not minimizing suffering, but I'm saying <clears throat> I find some comfort in knowing that I'm not special. I hadn't been singled out for abuse, right? <laughs> I mean, I, that's kind of, you know, I'm in a club. <laughs> we're all going to make it out. So if we find ourselves in these old paths, so we're going to plug in bitterness. So let's say that someone hurts you, and you have prayed, and you've gotten over it, right? You know what that feels like. You're like, I forgave them. Done. I've got victory. Man, that's good. That's good, isn't it? 
<clears throat> but how many of you have ever experienced what I've experienced? That, you've, you've claimed this victory, and you even kind of have a feeling of victory. You know that you're like, I don't know, some little effervescent buoyance or peace or just like a, yes, that's good. And then you see them somewhere. They come up on Facebook or something happens in your life where those people crop back up and you don't feel as victorious as you once did. Anybody? Man, and you feel like, and you, how many of you feel like, I have to start all over again. Everything I did before wasn't even real. You know why? It's because you are so prone to find those old paths again. Your feet will find them and they are so comfortable on them. Or here's another thing. Let's, I found this to be true too, that I really have gotten victory over things. Like total victory, like I could see them and it's no big deal and man, it's good and I'm going, I'm going. And then somewhere down the road, somebody else hurts me and I get in another scrape <clears throat> and I, I kind of let, I have, ch I struggle there and I sort of let bitterness build up there. I find that bitterness is contagious and it will, it will enliven those old places that I once had victory over. Anybody? I mean, that is the power of the flesh, isn't it? Man, so here, here we are. We're, we want to be like Paul and say we die daily. I mean, just imagine if we could live where we were not so hindered by the flesh. What would your life be? You would be living in victory all the time. Because how many of you know that your flesh is the place that Satan traffics? And so if you remove the flesh, you know what I mean? If you remove the power of the flesh in your life, it's not so lively. Now Satan comes in with his attacks. What has he got to work with? Not a whole heck of a lot, right? And so sin is the place where <clears throat> that it works in your flesh for temptation. See, if we could just look at this and understand... That as we see those old paths in our life, the Holy Spirit <clears throat> is constantly trying to rebuild us from the inside out to be persons who don't constantly traffic in those old areas of carnality. Now, some of the, some of the things that we have to overcome in our flesh, and this is something that I find people are not really apt to want to grab hold of, and that is... Getting over your personality. We have, we have a culture nowadays that we assess personality like it is the science of science. I mean, Jacob told me when he went to Southwestern that he, he said, Mom, I had to go online and take an Enneagram test. He said, I couldn't even communicate with those people until I did. Enneagram, see? He said, an Enneagram, <clears throat> you go online, you can do it for free if y'all want to jump on this. And, and so your Enneagram, people, he said people will come up to him, students, and say, what's your number on your Enneagram? And so he had to know his number. He said because they assess whether or not they're going to be friends with you or they're even going to be fit together compatibility-wise if you don't have the right Enneagram score. E-N-N-I. If you just go E-N-N -N on, it's going to pull up Enneagram. I mean, just Google it. You can take it for free online. But then, you know, how many of you, you're old like me, and you remember it was a choleric, phlegmatic, you know, those, you know what I'm talking about, sanguine, those kind of things. It's basically the same thing. It just has a little bit different posturing of it. But I say all that to say this. We take that and we go, oh, I'm a 7-8. I'm a 9-3. You know, that's, that's Enneagram speak for you. I don't even know what it is. Or... I mean, I just did a woman's thing the other day, and it was another. Me and Liz both had to do it. We had to take some test. What was that? It was another branch of it, right? Some new version of it. But it's all to assess who we are. Right? Now, when I look at this, it seems to be nothing really hazardous about that because we all have a personality, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But how many of you know that if the, our personalities become the, the apex for who we are and how we decide what we can and cannot do, how many of you think that's a life without limits? No, 
you become limited by what you perceive that's in your personality. Then I'm pretty much just left with, I'm just like my parents. Whatever they gave me genetically is what I have, and I can't go beyond that. Do you see how limiting that is? I believe that the Lord who formed me, should he desire, he can reshape me into another vessel and give me an all-new personality. How many of you be willing to believe for that? You know what I'm saying? That's a good news to me, that if I'm shy and he's called me to be a preacher, that he can give me the personality and an anointing to be a preacher even if I'm shy. Now, see, most people won't believe this. Well, I'm this way, so I can only fit within this slot. I mean, Mike, if you had listened to what your personality profile said, he wouldn't be where he's at today. So, so many times we limit ourselves in who we think we are by what we should be doing. Yes. Absolutely, because we don't do what we don't want to do. Now, I realize there is a true personality. Yes. 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 Pigeonhole ourselves. That's who I am. And so we, we come across with a, you deal with me. So could we all agree then, and I'm going to call Deborah next, at, can we all agree then that what we were is not who we have to be? We all agree with that. Yes, Deborah. we are the biggest liars to ourselves. That's good. That's good because you know what? The scripture says we don't even know our hearts unless God reveals it to And they're usually very, they're usually very grand or they're very um, limiting to support what we never wanted to do in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna, we're going to go to, okay. Yeah. Yes. And that's why we have homosexuality on the rampage. The Bible says, train your children in the way they should go. And when they're old. The problem is, even in church today, Absolutely. The problem is, they associate themselves with the message. This is good. Children don't even have an idea about it. But. But we have a. Well, that's, that's exactly right, is we don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. Yes, Letha? Yeah, love it. Of what happened. Absolutely. Self at the center. I've said it many times. It's a word we can all learn, if you haven't learned it already. Anthropocentric. Anthropocentric. Self at the center of your life. That your all of your life, all of your life begins to center around self. That is how we came into this world. And without someone interrupting that orbit, you will stay that way. And self will be an eroding force in your life that will constantly allow the enemy to pillage and to destroy. 
But I don't care what the world, what's going on in the world. I don't care who our next president is. I don't care, not that I don't care, you understand what I'm saying. I don't care what the circumstance that we are set in. No matter what the day, the climate, the hour that we are living, we can and should be victorious because of what Christ has done. And we can overthrow... Many of us are worried about overthrowing Satan. You cannot even worry about overthrowing Satan until you have learned to overthrow self. And so that's what we want to do. We want the Holy Spirit to lead us out of these old paths. And we have to, in order to be led by the Holy Spirit, we need to find the ability to learn to be led. How many of y'all find it's hard for you to learn? You're learning to be led. How many of you are stubborn? Well, a little bit. Now, you may not know. You're, see, if you say you're not, you're one of those liars of self. You're still just lying to yourself about, I'm not stubborn at all. I'm as pliable as a piece of white bread. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He calls us, he called Israel stiff-necked people. Our very first youth group, we had a guy reading, and he said he called it stiff-necked and so for every, now, every time I see the word stiff-necked in print, I always think about John Hudson, and I think stiff-necked. <laughs> We're all stiff-necked people, aren't we? <laughs> so we find ourselves there. You know what? It's better just to admit it and to say, Holy Spirit, make me pliable. Let me learn to be led. Let me learn to be, you know how I have found that I have learned to be led? He puts me in situations where I normally am a fighter. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not learning to be led if I would normally go that path anyway. He puts me in situations where it's going to take a next level of submission. So I can learn to be led. He puts me in a battle that's just too much for me to fight. He puts people in my life that I do not like. Anybody? That you, I mean, how many of you admit that there are people sometimes that you have to associate with that really just irk you? Have you ever had one or two in your life? And you know what? And learn, how many of you would say the best learning comes within those environments, in those challenges, that we were there and we have to learn to be led there because it's in those situations that we rise up and we bow up and we find ourselves saying, well, I won't and I can't and I'm, you know what I mean? Now, I'm a, I'm a fighter. I tell people that all the time. If you're going to a fight, you want to take me. If you, if you want diplomacy, don't take me. I'm the person who, after diplomacy has been brought, I'm the, you know, there's a show me and Mike watch, and he, he laughs every time. He's like this kid, he's, he's being attacked by bullies, and another kid comes along, and, um, and he talks the bullies out of the confrontational situation, and he makes peace. I mean, that's Mike. He married me. He's, he's the guy who, who somebody, he, he makes peace in the situation. And I'm the, I'm the kid who is being attacked, and the, and the bullies, after the, the, the diplomat comes in and he turns them away and they're, all those kids are walking away with peace. And I'm sitting there still and that kid picks up a rock and chunks it at them. That's me. See, that's in my personality. You know what I'm talking about? That's in my personality. It's so many times because I know that's in my personality, the Holy Spirit will bring me to a place where fighting's not right. In situations where I can't fight, in order to, it's not that God wants to take the fight from me, because he made me that way, but he wants me to be, learn to be led in the fight. He wants me to learn to know when to fight and when to shut up and when to walk away. And see, that's been a hard thing in my life to learn is when to just back down and be submitted to God. And so long in my life, I've, I've, I've wanted to fight everything that moved, and I found out through that, what happens if you fight everybody? Oh, man, you just don't have any resources left. It costs you everything to fight all the time, right? But it, it's, it's exhausting to be at war all the time, isn't it? Well, see, now I'm old, and I don't do this anymore because I marry. I mean, the Lord put me with some. Now I'll fight if I need to. 
Now, don't, don't think I'm a pushover. Okay, just, just making sure. <laughs> no, okay, good. Okay, good, good. <laughs> but see, what's funny about it is the Lord put me with the impolar. I mean, Mike will, he will fight. He says, freeze first. Let's assess the situation. Where can I escape to? Is that not right? And you'll make, he'll make peace. Where, see, we need each other. Sometimes I'm like, you're not running from this. We're going to fight. And most of the time, though, it's this. Andrew, you stay at home and I'll deal with this. He said, because you'll do damage that we can't undo. You know? <laughs> somebody's, yeah, somebody's going to jail. And he's kept me out of jail a couple of times. Apparently, you shouldn't fight with cops. You know? <laughs> You shouldn't. You shouldn't, even if you think you're right. <laughs> so as we look here, what we're talking about is learning to be led. Learning takes time. Learning takes experience. Learning takes practice. You won't get it right every time. Just because you fail doesn't make you a failure. You're still learning. And learning takes practice. And also, learning requires the Holy Spirit teaching you. Isn't it a good thing that God doesn't just throw us down after we mess up the first time or the second time or the third time? He's still, he's still teaching us to be led. I think so many times people struggle the most in their Christian walk with how to be led of the Holy Spirit and how to hear from God. You know, they, circumstance becomes so powerful in their life. Yes, Absolutely. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. Absolutely. And so we, it's not a force like fate. Not, not, a, not an ideal like fortune. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. Now, I told you we were going to go to 1 Kings 22. I just want to read this to you. And this is talking about, this is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. He made alliances with Ahab. And, you know, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, Ahab would have probably died long before he did. But, I don't know, Jehoshaphat was somehow a good influence on Ahab. And maybe Ahab was a bad influence on Jehoshaphat. I'm not sure. But anyway, as I look here, um, let's read right here. Now let's go to 48, 22 and 48. And there was no king in Edom, a deputy, but a deputy king. And 49 says, And Jehoshaphat made ships, Tarshish ships, to go to Ophir for gold. But they never went because the ships were wrecked at Ezon Geber. Now, I read that, and I had read. See, I'm going, like I told you, I'm reading so fast. I read that, and that ships of Tarshish stood out to me because I had just, when you're reading this fast, it wasn't just a minute ago I had finished reading um, the first part of Kings where I saw that Solomon sent these ships of Tarshish to Ophir for gold three times a year. I was like, what? What is all this? And I just thought that was interesting that Jehoshaphat here had built, had these ships, and they, he was going to Ophir for gold. I looked up to try to find where he was going. He was going for Ophir for gold, but he wrecked at Ezon Geber. Now, I looked up where Ophir's at. You can debate. It's either Arabia, India, or Africa. And every scholar will debate on where it's at. So it's not really important where it's at, not to us today. But what I want to look at here, so I looked up what are the ships of Tarshish. A ship of Tarshish is basically a, sail a giant sailing vessel, a longboat. Think of a Viking longboat. You know what I'm talking about? So there's a big, they're big, you know, you have a canoe. A canoe, you're not going to traverse many waters, are you? Uh, maybe a, a paddle boat, you're not going to traverse many waters, are you? A jet boat, you're still not going to traverse. You have a, a cruise liner, and you're going somewhere, right? The bigger the vessel, the farther the journey, right? And it's suited. The vessel was suited for the journey. And so these ships of Tarshish, they became synonymous with giant seafaring boats. So if someone said... A, a Tarshish vessel, it meant it was a giant boat. And so Jehoshaphat, now they had gone and they had taken gold from this land, this mysterious land mystery to us today, and they brought back all kinds of treasures and things. But then this one, what caught my attention was, is that this, these ships never made it 
They never made it. Why? They wrecked at Ezon Geber. And I had a little, you know, the Bible is full of symbolism and, and, and types, if you will. I wanted to liken this today into us being led of the Holy Spirit, that many of us, we are going for gold, right? John 10, 10. Lord, I want life and I want it more abundant. How many of you, we all said we're going for gold. We want abundant life, but our ships wreck at Ezon Geber. Now, what does Ezon Geber mean? Well, you, it's a good thing you asked that. Because otherwise, we wouldn't have any reference for this message at all. Ezon Geber was called the city of the rooster. Well, I was like, hmm. Let's all, okay, this is how we do Bible study, right? I look up Ezon Geber, and it says it's called the city of the rooster. Now, many of you may know this. I give you all little bits of my life. I have a weird kind of a mixture of things. I not only went to modeling school, but I also was a chicken fighter. You know, those, you know what I mean? Chicken fighter. My dad raised fighting roosters. Now, that is not a glamorous line of work. And you don't consort with the most upstanding population. Sorry if you're any chicken fighters out here, but I know you. You're not upstanding. <laughs> I'm just speaking what I know. Okay, so we had, we had chickens. Now, how many chickens did we have, you say? Well, we had hundreds of chickens. We had like five or six hundred chickens. Oh, yes. We raised fighting roosters, and raising these fighting roosters required a lot of time and research. Because when you go to a chicken fight, and I know many of you are saying chicken fighting is illegal. Well, how many of y'all have told you what our family motto was? If it's illegal, we do it. So, it wasn't illegal in Oklahoma at the time. And so, we lived right on the border of Oklahoma. It was highly illegal in Texas. And you say, well, did that stop you from doing it in Texas? No. So, but it just wasn't legally done in Texas. I'll put it that way. So, we had all of these fighting roosters. And fighting roosters, you know what they do? Fight. And so, when they get to a certain age, you have to put them on tie cords, which you put a little leash around one of their little scrawny legs, and you put them a certain distance, and then we had, we had several acres of land that were much to my chagrin. I hated this growing up. I thought, oh, Lord, and why do we have to live around the highway where everybody can see us? And we had all of these 50-gallon barrels lined up in a row. Many of you, how many of you know what chicken, how many of you are affiliated with chicken fighting? Okay, I've got some of you low-class people. Okay. And so, so then we have the next row. Now, y'all can't argue with me about that, can you? Then you have the next row here, and, you, and these chickens, they cannot get near each other. The tie cords are, are placed such where the chickens can't get near each other, or what will they do? They will fight to death. These roosters will. And so, in order, my dad bred the roosters, and so what we had to do is many times in the middle of the night when chickens do what? roost. They're asleep. Well, that's the easiest time to go check chickens and catch them. And so we would go out in the middle of the night and we would grab roosters and things and hens off of their nest and we would clip their toes. My dad would had a clipping pattern if he would clip the webbing between their toes and mark them in a journal so that he knew what chicken was what and what was bred to what. Otherwise, if you get a champion chicken and you don't know what you bred to get it there, then what good have you done? Y'all did not know that this was such an elaborate thing, did you? And so you had the white hackles, you had this, you had to know who bred with what and what was what. And if you had eggs that you didn't know what were, then you got rid of those eggs because you didn't want some, oh, chickens. So I know chickens. When you met me, do we have chickens? We'd already gotten rid of the chickens because my dad got saved. So I deduce that saved people do not fight chickens. They do do that. So here we have, here we have all these chickens. And so you know what chicken, I'm an expert in chickens. Do you know what chickens do? They do a lot of that. That was my job, was carrying poop from the chicken coop to the garden. Not a great job. But chickens do this. They make a lot of noise, and they flex, and they crow, and they breed, and they die. And that's all they do. Huh? That sounds like a whole lot of people. They flex, they crow, they breed, and they die. 
Now, that wasn't, I, so I know chickens, and I don't have a real love for chickens. I'll put it that way. And you do get some eggs out of the deal. But fighting chickens are different. And so the city where the, of the rooster. Now, when I say rooster in Bible, what do you automatically go to? What? Yeah, you're so smart. Peter. Because what did Peter, what did Jesus give as a sign to Peter that he would deny him? That yeah, cock's going to, th- when he, He's going to crow, and that's going to be a sign to you. And so when I read that, how many of you think that things are just in the Bible just like willy-nilly? They're not, are they? So when I read this, and I see the place where the rooster crows, I can begin to look, and I can liken that when I know the story of Peter, and I know that why did Peter deny Christ? Baseline. Why do you think? Why did Peter deny Christ? What? He was afraid? Self-protection. And there we have it. Many of us will never go for gold. We'll go for gold, but our ships of Tarshish will wreck at the place of self-protection. And that's where we'll find ourselves over and over again. And I believe that's where the church and that's where Christians find themselves shipwrecked all the time, is at the place where it costs them, where they have to expose themselves. What does self-protection look like? I feel like I have to open this up a little bit. Well, let's just look at Peter for a second. Peter followed Christ, right? Very closely. How many of you have ever said, if we just had the miracle signs and wonders, people would come into the church in droves? How many have ever said that? Well, I've said that, and don't lie and say you haven't. Right? We've all thought that, right? Absolutely. Whether you said it or not. But you know what? Was Peter right there with Christ when, when he fed the 5,000? Peter had bread in his hand and was giving it out. He participated in that miracle. Many signs and wonders. I mean, Peter's mother-in-law was basically healed to get up and cook food for him. Um, what else was Peter intimately involved with? One of the famous things. The, oh, the miraculous supply of fish. So he saw that. He said, man, this is, what else did Peter do that was miraculous? He walked on water. I mean, he's the guy, the only other person made of flesh and blood who walked on water. Now, if anybody, if anybody were a John 10, 10 B kind of Christian, it was Peter, right? But see, so many times, it's exactly what he overestimated himself. And he told, he told Jesus, he said, man, I will die for you. I will die. It is easy to say and hard to live. You don't know what the circumstance is going to be. But I do know this, that, that Jesus asked him to come pray with him in the garden, right? And he, he couldn't stay awake praying. He couldn't stay awake praying. He couldn't stay awake praying. And so Jesus says, okay, sleep on. And then what happens after that? The squad of soldiers comes, right? And what does Peter do? I know Peter. I'm a fighter too. Had a sword. He cut Malchus's ear off, right? And what did Jesus do? <laughs> Put your sword away. Man, maybe if the church would spend the time in prayer, we wouldn't be cutting the ears off people that we need to be speaking to. You know, you know what I mean? We don't quite make it, do we? We, we kind of fail in the secret place. And then we're cutting off ears, and the cross is going, I, I, I wasn't going to cut his ear off. I was trying to actually heal the ear. I mean, that's so many people, many, 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 many people in the world will say, you know what? I don't listen to the church because they're full of hypocrites. I, I fear the day, fear, I don't fear, you can't say fear anymore. I, I, I do fear. I fear the day we live in where there's so much narrative out there. You know what I mean? So many people have heard from God who didn't hear from God. You know how dangerous that is to hear from God when you didn't hear from God? You know why it's dangerous? Because the words of truth you have are also undermined. Does that make sense? And so we we live in a day where there's an erosion of truth. An erosion of truth. And how many of you, when you're wrong, you like to say you're wrong? No. It's not a favorite of anybody's, is it? And, and I, I believe we live in a day, see, in, have you ever not said you were wrong, but maybe just ended a relationship to preserve self? See, self-protection shows up in so many different ways. Self-protection makes up all kinds of lies about oneself, Yes. 
Yeah. So they had the vessels to get there, but they're wrecked at the place where the rooster crows. At the place where isolation and self-protection, because they've been hurt in the past. And, and see, Satan knows this. He knows how easy it is to get people derailed. And so he puts people in their path to hurt them yet once again. Yes, that's good. A form of reality. Because what, what happened when Peter heard the rooster? Mm-hmm. He was. He was repentant, though, wasn't he? He wept bitterly. Wow. So we see that so often in our, in our desire to protect ourselves and to shield ourselves from others. And that is one thing that the Lord showed me a few, well, a number of years ago, is that relationally speaking, if we... Mike just said it. If we isolate ourselves from relationship, and what causes you to isolate yourself from relationship? Just give me some things. Throw some things out. COVID. That's it's true. What is? Can we just put that? In, can we just draw a line and reframe that? Yep. Mm-hmm. We are not. Absolutely. So we have this. So we have fear. Now, why? Why do we? Now, I'm not saying that the virus is not real, right? Many of you have had it. You know how real. Keith, you know how real it is, don't you? And so, but the fear, the opening of fear. He, what does the spirit will never lead us where? To fear again. He's not leading us to fear. Fear is a tactic of the devil used to make us self-protect. And it is one that works and 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 works. Would y'all agree with that? And so we had to find ourselves coming against that because that doesn't lead to abundant life. And so what else? What other type of self-protection we have? Yes. Okay. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't have that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and we look at that and we say, okay, sometimes circumstance, sometimes circumstance leads us to isolation. And in that, we can pray. We can pray, Lord, remove this barrier and give me the patience to learn and to walk in these seasons. I have found out that when I'm not getting what I think I need to do the next thing, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I don't have what I need to do the next thing. I have found often it's because the Lord has withheld it because there's still more work to be done in me. I, and I, I mean, that's just true for me. And I, I, I know that that's sometimes hard to take because we want what we want when we want it, right? And that's, that's the thing, that he knows more about us than we know about us. And that, that's a... Mm 
That's true. That's true. But he doesn't want us. He doesn't want us to live. So many, th those barriers, he wants them all removed. It's just, Lord, I want to be totally surrendered and submitted to what you have for me. I want to remove myself from isolation. I want to give of myself. Relationally speaking, if you shut yourself off relationally, you will die. Mm -hmm. No, 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 they're not. Absolutely. That's it, because we're still serving set. What we sometimes do is we want to include God in our orbit and use him to get what we want. I mean, no, I know y'all would never do that, but see, he doesn't want to be included in our orbit. He wants to be the center in our life orbit around him, Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So what if, with that said, that sounds like a pretty bleak picture, doesn't it? But if we, with that said, if, this is what I have preached for years, and you've probably heard me say it. Instead of saying this, the church has used this posture and it has not worked. This is the posture they've used. Now, you don't offend anyone. Now, you don't offend anyone. Now, don't go offending anyone. That's great. And I'm not saying you should offend anyone, but that posture doesn't work because it doesn't matter how hard you try. The onus should not be on you not offending anyone. The onus should be on me not being offendable. I can't offend a dead man. I tell you, I worked at the funeral home. I could call him fat, ugly, and lazy and never even moved. You know what I'm saying? They're dead. If you're offended, you're not dead yet. Yes, Tawana. Yep. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh-huh. Find nothing it'll be attracted to. That's really good. And, and, I'm, and it's not, I'm not saying, and how do you know when the offense comes? That's when you deal with, okay, so, so something happens, because I'm telling you, I'm telling you all this information, maybe tomorrow it's going to happen, maybe this afternoon it's going to happen, so here's your opportunity, right? So here is that thing, I don't know, you put that thing in front of you, you know it, you're going to know, I mean, how many of you struggle to know, am I offended or not? No, we don't struggle with that. So whatever that thing is, so it comes up and there's that, you know, I'm just, I just got offended, didn't I? And so instantly, instead of me using my old paradigm and going, whatever that is, going after them, you know what I'm talking about, right? Why can't I stop in that moment and go, whoop, nope, 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 I don't care. It did not offend me. You're saying, well, that's a lie. It did. Well, it's a lie until it's not a lie. It's a practice. I'm practicing it until I get, I get perfect at it. You know what I'm saying? But I refuse. So if I refuse the offense, I refuse to entertain the thoughts of offense. I refuse to give way to the words of offense. I refuse to give way to the, the feelings. Those feelings are there, but I go, mm-mm, no. I, I have to return to the word and go, why am I so offendable? Why am I so offendable? I will not, I'd make a choice not to be offended. I won't be. What you start doing that over time, you know what happens? You shrink your target. See, many of you are walking around and your offense target is ginormous. Ginormous. And you know, every time you get offended, your target grows bigger. It does. Every time you get offended, it grows bigger. You add another, you know, think of a bullseye, you know, a, a dartboard, right? And you got it little and it gets bigger. Every time you get offended, you add another ring. And so you're walking around, and somebody, you, I know people who are easily offended, they go, did you see how they looked at me? <laughs> Do you see how they looked at me? That brings you offense? A look? Are you kidding me? Your target is bigger than the room, and not only, you know what's holding up your target? Your arrogant ego. Right? Did you see how they looked at me? No, I didn't see how they looked at you. I don't care how they looked at you. What can a look do to you? Did you see what they said to me? But, okay, 
say they said something bad to you. You know what? You, but see, what happens when you, as you choose not to be offended, you know what you'll do? You'll peel layers off of that. And that won't happen all at once, guys. You're going to have to practice this. You're gonna, this is being learning to be led. But you want to get to the gold, right? You keep, if you keep on crashing at where the rooster crows, then you're never going to, you're just ships, you got the ship to get there. You just keep crashing. This is all part of the journey. You can't get the gold unless you know how to do this. And then you, you pull off another layer. And pretty soon, someone will say something to you that is truly offensive. How many, you know what I mean? They're, they're aiming for you. It'll be like this. You'll be like, whoa, I think they're trying to offend me. Ah. That's a great way to live, guys. It really is. I think they're trying to be ugly to me. You know what I want to do then? I'm just going to go cuddle up to them. I'm going to play with them a little bit. You know what I mean? Just keep on. Isn't that a better way to live than walking around all the time with your feelings on your sleeve, your target is big as a NASA satellite, and you're just always collecting offenses like black pants do lint right stop it you're killing yourself you're crashing you're crashing your ship of tarshes right in self-protection mm-hmm. mm. yep mm-hmm. uh-huh Yes, we are. And just be happy. Right. Yep. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And we couldn't. And what would you do if you had, would you want, if I gave you right now in the situation that you're dealing with, what if I gave you the torch of justice, the sword of justice right now? And it's yours. Do what's just. What would you do with that sword? You would destroy everything that hurt you would. And then what would happen? You'd ultimately destroy yourself, wouldn't you? Would, your, would what you decided be right? No. What if I gave you the sword of justice right now? And it was yours and you could do what you wanted to with it. What would you do with it? You know what I'd do? I'd drop it as soon as I could. I would drop that sucker as soon as I could and run from it because I know there's probably a blade on it for me. <laughs> I can't I can't escape that either. Yes, Tamara. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> Holidays are great testing time. That's what you were doing? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a something. Okay. Oh, you walked upon it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You were you were going to take the sword of justice and use it. Wow. Yeah. Well, and that is um, that that is very much a, a something you have to deal with. No, it is okay. Okay, so if if in the past that would have been a circumstance that would have created a war. So instead of doing instead of going for the war, you. And so, see, and, there, and, and many people, there are things like that that we see and that maybe there's an opportunity for you to go about it a different way. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That was. Mode for him. How did he? Did it change him? Yes, and that that was exact. Yes. Mhm. And because, and that's what I always try to do as well. And it's not the easiest thing to do, because the easy response is we know what the easy response is, don't we? Now, I mean, I had a situation one time where I sold a car to a person, and they were going to, uh, you know, a wimpy car kind of thing, a wimpy deal. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. You know what I'm talking about. And so I, I sold them a car, and they were going to, because they had a job, and they were going to go to work, and when they go to, you know, you got it, you know, how the whole thing goes, and I'm going to pay you for the car, right? And so it was, it was a family member, which are the worst, you know, and so I sold them the car, and guess what they did when they got their check? Who did they not pay? How about the next check? Who did they not pay? How about the next check? Oh, they bought a gun. But who did they not pay? Okay, now how many of y'all know that eats at me, right? Because it's just wrong, right? You're just wrong. And so I started to stew in how wrong that was. Anybody, anybody ever done that? That's just not right. It's not right. And I'm telling you, I'm a person that loves, I like to fight and I like what's right. And I will fight for right. That's just, that's just how it is. But see, I don't get to do that. That's in my personality, right? And so I started praying to the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do about this? Because this is starting to build up. I mean, I'm, I've got Mount Vesuvius brewing. You know what I'm talking about? I'm fixing to destroy Pompeii. It's done. And so I asked the Lord, what, what would you have me do? And he said, give them the car. <laughs> well, that's the dumbest thing. That's like the opposite of what I wanted to do. And that's what the Lord taught me in that is that if you want to walk in the Spirit, do the opposite of what's natural to you. And you'll nail it just about every single time. And so what did I do? It didn't just work. So what happened? And I, I went to that person and I said, you know what? I just want to give you that car as a blessing. I, I'm glad you haven't paid anything because I, want, I would have to return that to you. And it's easier for me to just give it to you as a whole. No, I was going to pay you. I was going to pay you. I said, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to be paid. It's a gift to you. I just felt like I should. I felt led of the Lord to give it to you. And you know what? Did it, did it make them a more responsible person? No. But you know what it did in here? Totally free. And not only that, it gave the Lord an opportunity to bring me fruit in on that obedience. And so then I just postured myself for more blessing. Because I did that, and I freed myself from bitterness, and I freed myself from warfare, and I freed myself from the offense, and I did all those things. I'm not saying I'd get this right every time, y'all, because this is hard. And sometimes it's bigger than a car. And sometimes there's more principle behind it. But I have found every single time in my life that if I will surrender even to the person and look weak, and surrender to God, 
I always get the gold. But when I flex and I crow and I breed those more, I just double up on those, double down, I crash my ship and I never make it to the land of gold. So I hope maybe this year you're going to get opportunities to be offended and you're going to get lots of times for you to crash at that land of the rooster. But how about you do it different than maybe you've ever done it before. And when they want to take, you give. And when they ask for your cloak, you give them your coat. Ask for your coat, you give them your cloak also or whatever. When they ask you to go one mile, what are you going to do? And when, they, and when they call for terms of war, what are you going to do? And when they want to take you to court, you're going to say you're going to agree with your adversary quickly. What if, what are you going to, I mean, this sounds like a weakling's path, doesn't it? But when I am weak, then I am strong. I believe the Lord has got blessing for people who will pass those tests. And those are the hardest tests to pass because we want to protect and preserve and make ourselves look powerful. But the Lord never promises that he will be strong for the powerful. He said he will be strong for the weak. And I will trade my strength, no matter how strong it may be, for his strength all day long because it's the right way. That's it. know what I tell them? If he'd stayed right there in that moment, he never would have preached the best revival ever on the day of Pentecost. That's true. And he did, yeah, he had that. Yeah.